Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You're listening to the Independent Republic of Santa Claus. That's right, Mike Graham couldn't be here today. He can't quite put the same amount of sherry away as I can, and he's fallen asleep. But don't worry, over the next three hours I will be here playing some of my favourite moments from the past year at mid-mornings on talk radio. Plus, as a special bonus treat, I'll be hosting the very best of the Peria Awards. Coming up in the next hour, it's clashes galore as Mike takes on the idea of a people's vote. Katy Perrier butts heads with an economics professor, and Mike has a nightmare trip to Santa Parks. You're listening to the Independent Republic of Santa Claus on Christmas Day on Talk Radio. Ho, ho, ho! The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We've got a great guest here in, uh, in the studio this morning, Femi uh, Oluwole, uh, who's from Our Future, Our Choice. Femi, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Welcome Hi, to uh, the Lion's Den, I think I can only <laughs> say. You've been brave enough to come in, so I'm not going to be too horrible to you. But what on earth do you think you're doing? <laughs> well, I find it quite ironic that you said it's not a march for jobs, not a march for food, not a march for, uh, for peace. And right. that's literally the thing, the primary things that our EU membership has managed to secure over the past 40 years. Right. Do you remember the Balkans War? Hmm? The Balkans War. Go for it, go for it. You remember when there was a war in Bosnia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was under EU auspices. That was when the European Union yeah. was, was busy making sure that we had peace throughout the continent for the rest of time. This, there was a massive war. This, people were killed. People were killing their neighbours. The EU did nothing about it. In fact, the EU caused it. The argument that, that bad things happen whilst we were members of the EU can be used about, about anything. You could say there's oxygen in the air and there's still famine in the world. Something that happens, no, uh, that something that happens at the at same time does not mean it's the cause. Well, you just told me the EU has preserved peace in the world. I've just I, given I, you an example I, I'm, of how I'm that's saying, not true. I'm saying the EU was literally a product of the agreements that came together at the end of the Second World War. So it, 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 it made sure that our economies were so intertwined uh-huh. that we would never go, go to war against The Second other. World War ended when? In, in 1945. When did we opt into the European Union? Uh, uh, 75. How many wars were there in between? How many was it? In between. Oh, how 45 many? and 73. Any wars? No. No. So it wasn't because to do with the European Union that we didn't have any wars. It was to do with because the fact we that we won. Agreement. <laughs> yeah, we had a peace agreement. We didn't need to be in the EU to make sure we didn't go to war. So well, the war, the, uh, so the the war in- argument is done, okay? Move on to the next argument. <laughs> Uh, the next argument yeah. is quite simply, and this, and this is the most important thing, people are not getting what they voted for. They wanted more control, a better NHS, and to be better off. Right now, the no, deal that Theresa... No, they ma- didn't. That's right- wrong, too. They wanted to leave the European Union. That's what they voted for, and that's what we're doing. They, they had, they had, do you think that people wake up every morning thinking about the EU? No, they think about the food on their place. They think about how well their families are. Mm. They think about whether or not the country is looking Are you saying the people that voted to leave the European Union is stupid? No, I'm saying they wanted. We've been touring the country, speaking to leave voters, asking them what they wanted. Uh-huh. Better NHS, more control, and to be better off. Yes. The, the British Medical Association is saying this is bad for the NHS. Well, they would say uh, that. Well, yes, because they're the doctors. What's the point in, in, in us using doctors if we don't trust their advice on medical well, issues? they don't know what's going to happen, and neither do you, and neither do I. Well, Nobody they, knows they, what's going to happen. They know that leaving the single market means we, lo- we, re- we leave the rule system of the EU, which means we'll have le- lesser access to the, to the drugs of, of the EU. Absolute rubbish. Well, you think we're going to turn into some kind of third world nation with no medicine just because we leave I'm, an organisation which, which is inevitably corrupt, I'm say, which has I'm never been audited, the European, right? I'm saying that the European Medicines Agency is the agency through which we get new drugs approved, and that... And that yeah, and that, we're in the European and, Union. And that, yes, and that we a, don't need to have and that, that. And that agency is le- is le- is leaving is leaving the UK. They've and already it, left. And it is via that Guess agency what? that we get. Gone. And it is via that agency that we get fast access to new drugs. No, now, no, if, we, if we are in a different Listen, market, have they left the country or not already? 
They, they're leaving They've already in March. Gone. They're, they're leaving. leaving. They are leaving their London premises and they are not coming back, right? Hmm. That has not caused any major problems in the medical system. They haven't left yet. Oh, right. Neither have we. <laughs> okay. Well, we're leaving on March the 29th. Yes, Don't worry and about then we, lose that, we lose access to the European, European Medicine Agency. So what? So what? Please tell that to the people who rely on drugs in this country. The idea that the people who argue for Brexit saying it would be better for the NHS and now they're happy for, an, for a Brexit that will significantly damage the NHS, that is a fundamental betrayal okay. of Brexit Do voters. Do you believe in democracy? I believe in democracy, Do you yes. believe in the voting power of the people of this country? Yes. Do you believe one man, one vote? Yes. So why are you moaning about the fact that you lost? Because one, man one, one man, one vote is the idea that people should get what they voted for. And people wanted when was, more... When was the last time that happened? And as, and as I mentioned, people... When was want... the last time that happened? What about when... People Nick Clegg promised, more, hang on, if, what about when Nick Clegg promised students that they would have no tuition fees is, if they went to university, This is right? plain whataboutery. The idea that something what happened... What does that, that even wrong, mean, whataboutery? What is that? Can I finish? This is the idea that Only something... Only explain the word. This is something that happened, um, this, the argument that just because something wrong happened elsewhere, uh -huh. it means it's okay for something wrong to happen no, now. but you can't it make is, out... It is but you can't make out... No, sir, you cannot, sir, no sir, don't call me sir. You cannot make out that because people voted in one particular way that they should expect to get what they thought they were voting for. That never happens. You are you are literally arguing happens. against democracy right now. No, I'm not. I'm arguing, <laughs> arguing for that democracy. People should not be able to get what they voted for. No, you don't. You don't get it. Well, you can laugh if you like. <laughs> you are wasting my you are time. You're claiming to be an agent of democracy, no, and you're you are wasting, arguing that people shouldn't get what they voted for. Money. You're acting like see, a spoiled see, see, child. It, it, That's it, what you're doing. It, it is because of people like yourself that people are having to march to, uh, tomorrow to well, demand. It's my fault now. To, to Why is it my fault? Because you're, you were arguing We've literally that Brexit vote. voters should not get what they voted That's for. That's not what I said. You, you no, said you you're said, not that you stupid, said, mate. You you're said not that unreasonable. stupid. You said I it's said unreasonable. It's, I said it's ridiculous, sir. it's ridiculous to expect to get everything you vote for because in every single election, in every single country in the world, the only place, do you know where the only place you get what you voted for is in America because Donald Trump's doing what he said he would do and everybody's going mad about <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, yeah, sure, because I can see that wall turning up greatly. Um, well, they, they, uh, their economy's uh, in uh, pretty uh, good uh, shape, I think, you So here's the thing. Given that people are not getting what they voted for, it is only logical that we have the right to decide whether or not this deal is good enough for us, for our future, We've already for decided. our children's future. We've already decided. We haven't decided on a deal. Did We've we have a decided deal in to in leave the European Union. In 2016, did we have a Brexit deal? What? In 2016, did we have a Brexit no, deal? No, we didn't. No. And, and and this is the idea. I mean, in the Good Friday Agreement, they had, a, they had a referendum. And in that referendum, every single voter received a copy of the text of the Good Friday Agreement before they voted. They got to see the deal that they were signing before they signed it. Because who does it the other way around? And that is why people are marching tomorrow. That's why young people right. especially well, let are me marching ask you to this say... Question. Let uh, me ask you this question. You're probably too young to vote in the 1973 referendum to join the European Union, right? There was nothing written down about what it would mean. There was nothing written down about there how much... There was a treaty. There was nothing given to every there voter that you've just described. There was nothing written down about how Again, the European Union... Wait a second. Wait a second. Mm. Nothing written down about how the EU was going to expand into 27 countries. Nothing written down about how freedom of movement was going to affect the terrorist threat in Europe. Nothing written down about how we were going to try and form some kind of EU army. Nothing at all about that. So, in fact, we were sold a pup in 1973. It's exactly what you're saying we've oh, done God, now. This EU army thing. E Defence policy in the EU requires unanimity, so we could never be forced into an EU army. You have to stop with that lie. And and, 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 as, and as for the idea... Don't accuse that me of lying or I'll throw you out the studio. Pardon? Don't accuse me of lying or I'll throw you out the studio. When there is no, there are we being forced into an EU army? No, I didn't say that. I never said anything about being forced into an EU army. What I said was, in 1973, we were told a lot of stuff that never came true. We were also told that the EU was going to be an economic union only. It turned out to be much more than that. We were sold down the river by so, the people sorry, no, who no, asked no, no, us no, no, to no. vote. The, 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 the You're not even old enough the, the, to remember the treaty, it. The treaty that was signed, that was, that was, that was signed in, in 1975 included, included clearly ever closer union. It was literally in the text. Uh, just like we have a text right now in terms of what the EU treaties are, just like we need a text if we're going to make an informed decision about what we want our future relationship with the EU to be and that is what young people that's we what don't want to have a relationship with them anymore we've had a vote you lost you it's don't over. want to have a relationship with our biggest closest and cheapest trade partners we're not with the European you, you, Union you, you, no. were, you were willing to sacrifice the prosperity you of the United what you're talking Kingdom about. You're talking in, 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 fa in favour of, no. of, of utter ideology Donald, would you so like to intervene here and give this guy a slap I was trying to get a word in go for it. I'm not going to slap anybody this morning gentlemen Femi I just want to ask it's like what do you think you're actually going to achieve because they're not going to take any notice of you. So you're all going to turn up tomorrow, over 100,000 people, supposedly. And, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? We need to make the point to M MPs that, quite simply, their jobs are on the line. I think, but aren't MPs very aware of the point that you have made already? I mean, people have been sort of like making this point now for the last two years. I think most of us ordinary folk are getting 
bored, rigid with the whole thing. Um, I think we just want to get on with it and get the best deal we can. I, I agree with Mike. The best we, we deal we can doesn't really work, though. But we have had what a makes you What makes you an expert on the, what the best deal I is? studied EU law. Oh, great. Fantastic. Well, what are you doing about that? I'm, I, I, and I've been making the point for the past two and a half years. It's not going very well, no, is it? There is no way this can work out. Well, you've already lost, this, though. This, this, you well, know yeah. everything about what you're talking about, but everybody else who actually enjoys living in this country and enjoys the fruits of their labour and is quite happy not to be part of what is essentially quite That's a corrupt political else. union. Well, it's an awful lot more people than you think because no, they, won the it, they won the vote. They won the vote. It's over. It's still, it's Spurs, Tottenham. Spurs against West Ham tomorrow. Mm. You know, Spurs win 2 0. That's the end of the game. Spurs get three points. The losers go home. You should go home. You're the losers. Femi, you've been. Making... I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Let's, let's be really clear on this. The losers in this are the people who will be suffering as, as a result of it. I mean, no, no, no. Me, per, me personally, I, I was born in Darlington, so, the, so I identify very strongly with the North East. And in the North East, there were 20. Yeah, they voted strongly for Brexit. Yeah. And there were 27,000 jobs in the North East that rely on a Nissan factory that sends 75% of its cars to. To, to uh, mainland Why do you Europe. think they voted no, for Brexit? Because they've been screwed over by their political class for a very, very long time. But you want them to now believe in them again I, and I vote want, the other I, way. I, I, I want to make sure that they don't leave the single market, which right. destroys that factory. Well, that, I want to make sure that, that those that 27,000 jobs... I mean, I've, I've been to Sunderland and spoken to people who were reassured mm. by their bosses that their jobs were safe. Mm -hmm. And the Japanese ambassador has recently come out to say the exact opposite. Uh -huh. Those people in Sunderland deserve a hell of a lot better than Brexit. Well, they voted for it, so you're telling me that they're stu too stupid to know what they voted for? I'm saying That's they, an insult I'm to them and an insult to the working class of this country. I'm not saying you should were... be ashamed of yourself. No, I'm saying that Remainers didn't know what they were voting for either, because quite simply, if you do not know what the single market is, you do not know what, whether or not it's a good idea to leave it or not. For example, Right, so please, all of you elitist sir, types... Sir, no, sir. don't call me sir. All of you elitist types who know everything about the law and everything about the EU are going to talk down to everybody who's too stupid to know what happened, and you're going to okay. try and reverse a very democratic decision that was that, taken by the majority my... of people who voted then my question country. for you, sir. Sorry, my question for yes, you is: me, sir. What is the single market? What do, what difference does it make? What the no, single no, no, market no, no, no. is? What is the single market? I okay. don't know what the single market is. I don't care what Th the single market go. is. There we go. There we go. I don't give a stuff. You do not know what the single market is. This stuff. is the whole. It, this is the primary term that's been used stuff. throughout the entire of this of this debate, and you don't know what it is. That is the benefit. It's the thing of the EU that provides. An Why don't you tell me what it is then? All right. Imagine you educate all of us what the what the single market is. Imagine if you wanted to sell to 28 different countries, including your own, uh -huh. but those 28 different countries had different laws. Yeah, imagine, to... imagine that. That all happened before 1973. Yeah. You would have Do you know Bob you, Gelder sir, said... Finish... No, wait a second. Bob Gelder no, no, said you that the music business... Find, you'd ask yeah, but I didn't mean market. it, though. I'm just, I'm you, just playing uh, with yeah. you, man. Yeah, and, 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 and if I, I don't have, actually want you to give me a boring if, answer. Of course I know where the bloody single market is. If those countries have different laws, I'd have to manufacture, market, and package my product in 28 different ways. No, you wouldn't. That would raise my cost. Absolute rubbish. I would have to pay for the extra cost of regulatory checks. It would increase my cost. Now, by making laws together, oh. it means anything made in this country is automatically legal across Europe. That makes things cheaper. Yeah. It makes things cheaper to so sell. So I won't be it able to buy a Mercedes anymore. Is that what you're telling me? I won't be able to go to Germany and buy myself a Mercedes or an Audi or a BMW. You'll be, be able too to. Difficult. You'll be able to, but it will cost more. You don't know that. That Do you the, think Mercedes are going to deliberately cut their nose off to spite their face and make it more expensive for them to sell their cars? Them of course it's they not won't. about them choosing to make it more expensive. It's by the fact that having different different laws automatically makes it more expensive. No, it doesn't. It does not make anything awesome. Do you know you what, Bob Geldof, your hero, you literally just your hero. not knowing what the yeah, single market is. Yeah, I was playing is. with you, man. You think I don't know what it means? I've studied <laughs> economics as it's well. It's so well and good to say you know what it means after I've, after you've said you don't, and then I explain it to you, and now yeah, you know what it means. You don't get radio very much, do you? Here's the point. Here's the final point. Bob Geldof actually said last Sunday in an interview with the Sunday Times that if we Brexit, we will not have any music left in the world. The British people won't be able to produce any music. Nobody will be able to afford to go to any gigs. No bands will play. Is this bloke seriously losing the plot? Has he not heard of the Beatles? Has he not heard of the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin? All of whom were very successful before the European Union managed to con everybody in this country into joining it. Honestly, I don't really care about Bob Geldof. I don't really know. I barely know who the guy is. Well, <laughs> you may be, you're going to be standing hand to hand with him tomorrow. So you might want to find out who he is. And you might want to find out what a disgusting and disgraceful uh, creature well, the, well, he the, has been the to point, the democratic the people of this is, country. This, this, is, this, is, this, isn't about, this isn't about celebrities. This is about ordinary working people. Ordinary working people. Oh, like Alistair Campbell, who, the man who, who ignored 1.7 million who, people who voted working people against who the Iraq be, war. Ordinary working people who will be the worst hit. Because quite simply, Why are they not the, on the it, march, it's then? the area 
areas of this country that are the, already the worst off mm-hmm. that will be hurt the most. They're the, the ones penny, that voted if, to leave. If 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 the, if the places they voted to leave. If the if the economy is hit, it is always those who are already worst off who suffer most. A, an economic well, they don't hit, seem to believe that because they hit, voted to leave. Did an they not? An economic hit is not going to make Westminster suddenly start caring about Sunderland, about Hull. It is those areas that will suffer the well, most. And you, I find well, that why completely unacceptable. Well, you may find it unacceptable, but you may also find they unacceptable the fact leave, that they though. voted to leave. Yeah. Are you telling me that you know more than they do? That they're too stupid to understand it? That is the biggest I'm saying they voted you've for come more, out with you. I'm saying they voted for more control, a better NHS, and to be better Rubbish. off. Rubbish. They just right, wanted to leave. And right now, they don't... They people, just wanted to leave. People do not wake up every morning thinking about the EU. They think you about... You do. I bet you do. No, I don't. What did you wake up thinking about this morning? Actually, uh, well, I, I, um, breakfast primarily. Actually, breakfast. Femi, I think you'll find that most people did vote on migration, immigration, rather than which, the which, NHS. Co- which, which comes to the control. It, but it's it's like so you know I, they, they voted to leave they've had that vote and if, had okay if, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about immigration what 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 do people believe about the EU in terms of immigration why do they think well the EU has made it easier for people to emigrate into Europe and made it easier for people once they're in Europe to migrate to Britain uh, that's uh, a fact it's as simple as that okay, and what do they believe do they believe that's uncontrolled migration. I'm, you're asking me what other people believe. I'm not arrogant enough to tell you what other people believe. I can tell you what I believe. You're the guy that thinks you know what everybody else thinks. So why don't you tell me? Well, we, I mean, we're, we were t- we were told by the people that during during the, during the Brexit camp- campaign that the EU forces uncontrolled immigration and there's nothing we can do to stop unlimited numbers of people from the other countries coming here, enjoying the same rights and privileges as all the rest of us. That's a direct. There were three quote countries that allowed uncontrolled immigration to come in from Eastern Europe. Right? Mm-hmm. We signed up with uh, Ireland and with Sweden. We didn't have to do that, but we did. So partially, it's Britain fault. However, as a result of being in the European Union, we have a much bigger mig- immigration problem than we would have had if we were not in it. It's as simple as that. Not, not really. Given yes, that, really. Given that, given that we have a, a more or less roughly similar level of immigration from countries outside of the EU, you can't really blame uh, our membership of the EU for increased immigration. Doesn't matter whether you blame the EU for increased immigration. The fact is, as a, as a as a result of being in the European Union, the immigration has increased. It's a simple fact. You can't argue with that. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Father Christmas on Talk Radio, playing the very best of Mike Graham from the past year. Lots of sports people this year have made my naughty list, yet still some people think they should be role models. Mike spoke to former footballer Jason Cundy to ask him whether he thought sportsmen and women should be looked up to. Here we are again, uh, just a couple of days after Ben Stokes gets cleared Mm -hmm. and found not guilty of a fray. Rugby star Danny Cipriani's been held in Jersey after, quotes, an assault on a police officer and a whole bunch of other uh, supposed uh, uh, crimes that he may or may not have committed. Yep. Jason, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Jason. Good morning, Jason. Now, listen, morning. I don't know if this is your first time on Talk Radio, but uh, but don't be nervous, <laughs> whatever happens. <laughs> now, listen, I, I know that you're going to tell me um, that you don't think it's fair that some of these young men are held up to a higher standard than everybody else. But tell us why mm. you think that. I think this because footballers, sportsmen in general, are young men that are doing a job that is paid more often than not handsomely. And people judge people uh, when they see them on TV, in magazines, very differently to the actual individual that they know. And I think it's very dangerous for us, our younger generation, to have a what I call an OK magazine culture where young girls actually have wags as role models. I think I think it's lazy parenting. I think parents sometimes allow their children to be influenced by celebrities, people on TV, sportsmen and women, and therefore, in some ways, um, as a parent, kind of uh, removing themselves from their responsibilities. And it's easy to blame sportsmen. Oh, look, look what Ben Stokes has done. He's a role model. No, he's not. You're the role model as a parent. Take more responsibility for your children and their actions. Cut, Jason, come on. I mean, I, I went to football as a little girl. My dad took me along and I watched those players and we didn't know what they were going on in the background, but they, they were they were my idols. I mean, Bobby Moore, still love Bobby Moore to bits. Um, so I think, you know, young kids, when they're going to see, whether it's rugby or cricket or football, they look at these players, they see how these players behave and they are influenced. No matter how good a parent you have, you are still influenced by how these players behave. And normally it's footballers are getting in the stick, but this time it's rugby and cricket as well, obviously. But I mean, yeah, I think they are models, and I do think they have responsibilities to younger kids watching them from the stands. 
Yes, but see, we're talking about two totally different things here now, right? You're talking about their off-field off antics and behaviour. Yeah. Or are we talking about what they're doing there? You mentioned the word idle. Now, I agree with you. We can have idols. But role models, my, my, the way I see role models is, is someone you're looking up to in the way that you behave, you act, and the way you treat people. And I think the footballers will go out, and sportsmen, we've seen it in the past with, with, um, with the Australian cricket team. They will do what it takes to win a match because they're paid to win. And I think you'll, you get a very different person when you're, when you're paid to win. You will bend the rules. You will, in some people's eyes, cheat. Now, I don't think that's a particularly good role model for, for young kids to look up to. When you look at people like Bobby Moore, Bobby Moore held out, you know, he is, there aren't that many professional footballers you can look back and say, who is, who is the bastion? Who is the one you look up to? Well, Bobby Moore is probably one of maybe a handful of footballers. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Yes, because of what, what, what he achieved. But you know what? No one really knew what Bobby Wall was like behind the scenes. We, we, we can assume, and from what I know, he was a, he was a gentleman. But I, you can't just have footballers per se as role models because they will let you down. Footballers will in, will dive. But, you know, we've Listen, seen I, agree, I agree with you, Jason, and you're absolutely right to say that footballers will let you down. Cricketers, rugby players, everybody will let you down. Sometimes even your own parents will let you down. And it is up to your parents to sort of tell you what is right and what is wrong. However, you can't deny the fact that if you are watching somebody who is in the public eye, you know, you will be influenced by that. It doesn't have to be a footballer. It could be somebody on Celebrity Big Brother. It could be somebody on Love Island. Exactly. You know, if you're in the public eye, as many of these very top sports people yep. are, you know, whatever they do is going to be influence other people. Now, rightly or wrongly, what I'm saying is it's surely these sportsmen and women and, and uh, stars of the, the celebrity world should learn to behave better. Well, they're just, they're just, why? why? Because, because of some other people's children look up to them? No. They let, they, these young people, these young, and they are young men, but they make mistakes, okay? Now, if you're prepared for your, your children to look up to these role models, you have to be prepared for mistakes to happen and then don't be pointing the finger and accusing these people of letting your children or a society down because of the way they act. Because they, they are, these are young boys, young women who make mistakes. Hold on a minute. Make, it's it's not... We're talking... Sorry, Jason. Sorry, we are talking on, mainly young men here. I don't can't recall any young female sports stars lamping someone at a nightclub. Maybe there's just no, no photographers you, there. I just mentioned there. <laughs> no. I mean, look, Jade, Jade Goody, in, in, from what you two are saying, is a role model. Are you accepting that? Yes, I think she was. I think she point. was a role yes. model, actually, well, then, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, then you can. Then there's people out there that, that only knew her by the way she acted on Big Brother and saw out her life in OK Magazine. You didn't know her. And you know that was a, that was a life that wasn't a, that's not the sort of life that you you were surely aspire to to going on to and you mentioned there NG, about Love Island and 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 these other uh, TV programs. Yeah, but millions of people, people are watching this stuff, right? Yeah. And so I, what I'm saying to you, Jason, is that when you get paid as much money as these people get paid, I mean, even you and I know uh, in the smaller way that we pre represent uh, a broadcasting organisation, there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. You know, for these people to be paid a massive amount of money, like uh, Ben Stokes, like Danny Cipriani, I think they have a responsibility to stay out of trouble. Well, everyone has a responsibility to stay out of trouble. I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be well paid or even someone in the public eye for, to be to stay out of trouble. I, I think and, if you are representing your country in particular, I think it is part of your job to put on a responsible behaviour and make sure you don't get in trouble. If you if you want to, I, I agree with that. If you want to go on, if you want to go and sort of like you know go on the lash, do it at home with your mates. There's no need to be staggering. All right, let me ask you clubs. a question, Jason. You've got you've got teenage sons, or and maybe they're a little bit older than that now. What if, yes, yes. What if one of them comes up to you and goes, "I was just watching that Ben Stokes for Punch Up, right? Uh, apparently, it's all right to go and lamp somebody in the street, break their eye socket, and you could get away with it." What do you reckon, Dad? Well, what are you going to say? I would, I, me as a, as a responsible father, MG, yeah. I would take on the responsibility. I wouldn't want to blame anyone else other than myself. Now, my, I'm very lucky. I've got, I've got two, a 24 and 18-year-old, and a very young three-year-old, but my boys are well behaved. Never yeah. in trouble with the police. Now, I, I, me as a dad, I have to take responsibility for their actions. And if they're out fighting, and they're out brawling, and they're out drinking, and they're out misbehaving, I ain't going to blame Ben Stokes. I ain't going to blame Dennis, Dennis Cipriani. I ain't going to blame Wayne Rooney. I'm blaming me. So but, that's who I'm blaming. But why would you blame yourself? I mean, that would be down to them, because, surely. Why yeah, would you blame no, yourself? Because, because as a father, you have to take some responsibility to it at a certain age. You know, if I... I, I remember, you know, obviously growing up, 
my, my, my dad taught me the way that you should treat people and the way you should act. And I'd like to think I haven't let him down. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be blaming anyone else if, it was, if that's my responsibility. I wouldn't be looking to blame the, you know, the, 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 the footballers that were going around or that Frank McAvenies who were in trouble at that time. I wouldn't be doing that. I've, I've got more responsibility and more respect for myself than to be blaming other people, and it's lazy parenting. I get people phoning up, talk sport, phoning up saying, my young kid's diving because he's seen some footballer do it. No, you as a dad, you tell him it's wrong, and you punish yeah, him. Yeah, but, but you know as well as I do, Jason, kids are not necessarily going to listen to their dad no. and their boring old mum. They're going to watch uh, cheat, cheating footballers, winning World Cups, winning you know <laughs> Champions Leagues, winning the league, and they're going to go, well, I'm going to go with them. Exactly. Yeah, but that's but that's all. That, you know, on the, on the field of play, when you're paid to win a football match, you will do what it takes. Yeah, but J- Jason, you are see, paid see, so Jason, much. Jason and I have often talked about this. He, I, he knows that I know that his moral compass is pointing slightly in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. This is a guy who doesn't think there's anything wrong with holding your hand up uh, and claiming for a free kick when you know that it's not actually a free kick. But, yeah, Absolutely. But I do maintain that if you are paid to represent your country or your club, it is part of your job to monitor your own behaviour off the pitch as well as on it. Exactly. Because they sell image rights, they sell merchandise, they do magazine and TV stuff with OK and the sun and things like that. So they are representing themselves off the pitch all the time. So they should take care of their own behaviour. I, I, I won't disagree with that. But, uh, you know, they're, 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 I think we... I find... I, I get frustrated with parents blaming sportsmen for their own children's behaviour or, or, or lack of. And I, and I find it... I find it lazy parenting. I think that if, if parents took a bit more responsibility for their own children as opposed to blaming or certainly looking to, to excuse their, other, their children's behaviour because of celebrities have happened to step out of line. Celebrities are always going to step out of line. They always have done. They always will do. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the best of Mike Graham on Talk Radio with me, Father Christmas. Last night was very busy having to visit every house in the world to drop off presents. But as ever, the route went off without a hitch. If only Mike's trip to Centre Parks went just as well. So, my son decides, because his birthday's in January and his brother's birthday's in August, that it would be nice to go away, because he never gets to go away, because every time his brother has a, a birthday in August, we're always somewhere like Greece or Turkey or Spain. I mean, it's so bad now where he goes, where are we going for my birthday this year, Dad? You know, and you go, well, maybe we won't go anywhere this year. So, we decide to go to Centre Parks, okay? And I had to join them because their mother and they drove up from Sussex and I was working on Friday, so I went and got a train. That was the first problem because I had to get to a place called um, uh, Brandon in somewhere like, uh, it's near Norwich, but it's in Suffolk. 
I can't never explain. I've never heard of it either. When I came back from that station finally yesterday, I realised why, because it's literally, there's nothing there. There's one, there's that one platform. It's a cute little kind of No, it's not station. cute. No, it's a horrible little ghastly town with nothing in it. Oh. And a horrible railway station, right, with no ticket office or anything. Anyway, so I get to King's Cross and I have to take a train to Cambridge, which reminds me always of Rowan Atkinson in that sketch that he used to do, not 9 o'clock news. Anyway, so I get to King's Cross and all the Cambridge trains are delayed, every single one, from about an hour before. And there's lots of people standing around. I go up to the um, so-called information desk of, you know, King's Cross railway station and there's a bloke kind of lying literally supine uh, across the desk, quite a large man, uh, people asking him questions like, um, where's the uh, 1355 train to Cambridge? It's disappeared. Oh, it will be back in a minute. Um, are there any trains going to Cambridge? Oh, we don't know. Uh, is, the, is the 215 train to Cambridge going? Has it got a driver at the moment? And it was all this. And I'm standing there going, look, I have to get to Cambridge at some point this afternoon. Uh, are there any trains going? You could go from Liverpool Street, he goes. I said, well, I'm not at Liverpool Street. I'm at King's Cross. Your ticket's valid to Liverpool Street, he says. I said, yeah, but I don't want to go to Liverpool Street. I want to go from here. I just want to know, is there going to be a train? As we're talking, suddenly there's a mad rush, I sense, around me because the board has just changed and said that this train is now going to Cambridge in a minute. So they don't go, in five minutes it's going. It's already half an hour late. This is how the railways are now run in this country, and I'm going to start blaming people like you because you'll know more about this and why it's so bad. Gee, thanks. Yeah. And so I rushed to get onto this train, which is, of course, completely rammed to the gunnels. Standing room only, like a Jubilee Line train in the rush hour. Everybody's standing up. People have got rucksacks, bags, cases. And it's like that all the way to a place called Hitchin, which is about 45 minutes out of London. Finally, I got a seat. I get to Cambridge, where I'm supposed to then catch another train to this place called Brandon, right? But we all have to stagger up the stairs, get downstairs to the new platform where this other train is going from. And I said, oh, that's the train to Brandon. The guy goes, yeah, but you can't get on it. I said, why is that? He said, because it's about to go. I said, yeah, but it's not going yet. Can I go on? No, it's not, it's not safe. It's too dangerous. You can't get on it yet. You just have to wait. So the train disappears. I say to the guy, when's the next train? It's an hour. <laughs> I see, you're laughing. I'm going, what? So you want me to wait here right. for an hour? It's not, not organised for people to go by train. It's clearly yeah, some posh to what, turn up in a car, well, this right? What, this is what the mother of my children said. I said, yeah, well, unfortunately, I was working. And you couldn't come into London to pick me up because you were going around the M25. My car happens to be being fixed at the moment, so I didn't have one. So you should be able to get from point A to point B in this country, surely, in less than a day and a half. Well, that's what, obviously they're getting in places where you don't have great connections. Well, anyway, so Cheap land. So maybe. the guy, I said to the guys, I can't really wait. I said, I don't want to wait here for an hour. I said, anyway, that train was supposed to be a connecting train to one that was due to leave later from King's Cross than the one I got on. So how come it didn't wait for me? He went, I can't explain that. I said, well, what do you want me to do now? He said, well, you could take another train to Ely, uh, which you could then change there and take a train to Norwich and get off at Thetford, which is very near Brandon. I went, OK, I'll do that then. See, my argument right now is that there's nothing wrong with Centre Parks. It's just the fact you turned up grumpy. I'm right. You're the most miserable man I did man turn on radio. up grumpy. I did. I did. The story is not over yet. I'm going to continue it after this because it's time for the news headlines with Rachel Jewell. Now, let me finish my uh, long story about getting up to Centre Parks, even before I've told you about how much it cost when I got there, right? I'm now You're standing... right grumpy, let's face yeah, it. Yeah, well, because I'm now standing uh, uh, at a train stop in Cambridge and it, they said to me, why don't you get this train to Norwich? So I said, fine. So I waited about 20 minutes. I get on the train to Norwich uh, and get off, as they suggest, at Ely, right, which is quite a sort of mid-sized station, I would say, with about six platforms. Uh, at which point I'm supposed to get this other train to Thetford, right? So I arrive at Ely and I say to a guy, where does the next train go to uh, Thetford? Is it that one uh, in 10 minutes? He went, no, what? that one's been cancelled. And at this point, I'm thinking, somebody's doing this deliberately. Am I being followed around by a camera? This is, you know? a, this is your promo for your yeah, show today. This is like, you know, am I now being followed around by somebody who's just throwing, you know, things in the way of my trip? And... I, and then I noticed that there was another train to Liverpool Lime Street for this place, also cancelled. So the people who are running the railways in this country clearly have no clue about what they're doing. They simply cancel trains whenever they feel like it. This is and Sunday service. What do you expect? No, this was Friday. Oh, this is, this is on the way this there. This is Friday. It's on the way there. Oh, gosh. I mean, yes. no wonder I had a bad time. I arrived there. Um, yeah, so, right. I, I got, so, I, so I said to this guy, well, when's the next one? He said, oh, it's about 45 minutes. So I thought, well, I'm not going to... And this was not a... It didn't have... It had one little kind of coffee place where you could go and huddle with about 10, 25 other people at a coffee bar and stand clutching a cold, you know, warm cup. And I thought to myself, I cannot wait here another 45 minutes. Taxi? I was supposed to have got there like about an hour before this. Already I'm late. And so I walk outside. I say to a guy, do you know where Centre Parks is? 
And he goes, pardon? I said, do you know where Centre Parks is? It's not very far from here, is it? He went, have you got the postcode? There's a taxi driver in Ely, <laughs> which is about 40 minutes from Centre Parks. I, so, so I had to find the, you know, booking, which was on my phone. Thank God they had a signal. Otherwise, I think I might have killed somebody at this point. Give him the postcode. He says, uh, oh, it's about 40 minutes away. I said, OK, how much would that cost me? What, in a taxi? I said, yeah, you're sitting in a taxi. How much would it cost? He'd, clearly, nobody had ever asked him. Uh, he went, oh. Uh, and he got, sort of got some paper. He said, about £45. I said, fine, done. Would you please you be, well can you now point. take me there? Oh, yeah, all right then. And, of course, it ended up costing about £55. We got to Centre Parks about uh, 45 minutes later. There's a queue of cars going in because they've got a sort of, you know, Gestapo-like, you know, <laughs> checkpoint where you have to sign in or give them your numbers so that you go to the right cabin. Unbelievable. Or some of us no. might think that's quite efficient, Mike. Well, it wasn't efficient because it was a tragedy. So I said to the guy, like, I'll tell you what, I'm getting out here and I'm going to walk. You should have seen the looks I was getting because nobody walks. Yeah. I'm walking past all these, you know, M-class Mercedes with bikes on the back, with kids, uh, you know, seats for the bikes. Then there's a couple of Volvos. I know you've got one. Um, you know, a couple of other sort of, you know, people carriers, children screaming. It was like a scene from some horrendous Hieronymus Bosch middle-class hellhole. I once re- re- got refused to be served at uh, McDonald's drive through because I didn't have a car. So I came back with four of my friends That's and great. pretended that the person that was serving me was the only one that couldn't see my car. And the rest right. of us were in our seats, winding the window down, right. ready to order. Did you sit like sort yeah. of like as if you were on a horse? Yeah, I think we'd had a few, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and we just did as well you weren't in a car then. We did the whole order. Yeah, we did the whole order. Kind of, hold on a minute, I can't hear anything. The kids in the back are talking. Right. Shut up, kids. I need to order the Big Macs. <laughs> and the bloke actually, I think he served us just to get rid of us because he thought we were completely right. and utterly bonkers. But yes, yeah, so they're all queuing up mm. uh, in this kind of very Efficient manner, as I would like to call it. Yeah. You, you were the rebel early So on. I was just walking with my bag over my shoulder, walking towards the checkpoint. And, of course, you know, I'm now on the phone to my other half saying, so where are you then? Because, you know, it's not good enough just to get to Centre Parks. The whole thing is about 400 acres of sprawling middle-class lodges and, you know, adventure centres, hot tubs, you know, um, skating rinks, swimming pools. I mean, it just Sounds goes great. on and on and on. Well, you say that as long as you know where you're going and you've got a car. So I said to her, well, I'm coming in through the main entrance, right? And as I'm talking to her, this guy stops, excuse me. I said, what? He said, um, have you checked in? I'm like, no, I haven't checked in, but my family have checked in. They're already here. I'm going to meet them. Oh, no, you'll have to check in. I'm like, well, where do you want me to check in? I've walked past the car window. I, you know, you want me to go in and queue up behind one of the cars? Oh, no, I'll take you in. He was actually quite nice. We go in, he looks me up, he says, I'm all right to go. I walk in through, and I said, well, where do I go I find now? I that reassuring, because they won't let any old soul in the park. You've got to pay to play. No, you have to be white, and you have to be in a car. I mean, I didn't meet anybody up there who was not white. It was like a scene, again, a scene from some kind of weird movie from the 1940s, you know. Forget it's, about a certain class cultural it, diversity. There? Yeah. Well, no, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like that. There I shouldn't be people there. I mean, I, I think because it was in East Anglia, it was particularly weird. I don't mean that East Anglia is a weird place, but I didn't see anybody there that I would have wanted to spend any time with. You couldn't wait to get on that great train service. I'll home. tell you what, when I got on the train back, which went very well, you know, bizarrely, the trains to East Anglia are no good on a Friday, but great on a Sunday. The rest of the country is the other way around. You're listening to the Independent Republic of Santa Claus, playing my favourite moments from Mike Graham's show from the past year. This year, I was pleased that I finally managed to drag Lapland officially out of recession, thanks to my use of zero-hour contracts and cheap labour in my toy workshops. It wasn't easy, though. Economics can be hard to get your head around, as this interview with Mike, Katie Perrier, and an economics professor, Jonathan Portis, shows. Apparently, the present budget, which excludes capital investment, moved into surplus in November last year uh, on an annualised basis and stood at £2.8 over the 12 months to January. Net borrowing for the same period, including capital investment in roads and hospitals, was £38.6 now, these are very big numbers, Katie, and I have to say, that means absolutely nothing to me. I might as well have read that out in ancient <laughs> Greek, and I would have had no clue as to what it actually means. I mean, what does balancing the book mean? Well, I'd like to point out to you, before I go into this, that I barely scraped a GCSE C in maths, okay. and that was with a tutor. So um, I'm not exactly what you call... Um, <laughs> but listen, you've been at the heart of Theresa May's government. And what I understand this to be, uh, which is a noble aim, uh, both by uh, Labour Party and the Conservatives, mm. both wanted to re- return to balancing the books, but it was a George Osborne 
platform pushed to actually do that. Yeah. And everybody was very angry about the fact that he uh, pushed on this kind of idea of austerity, which meant you know squeezing welfare payments, yeah. doing lots of other things. But he's managed for the first time we've managed to, to balance the book um, between 1998 and 2001. We had four straight years of making a surplus every year. What that means is mm. we bring in more revenue yeah. via taxes than we spend. Okay. So for four years straight running under the Labour government, we just had a, we just had this moment whereby the economy was really really good and we were earning more money than we were spending. Yeah. And that's what the Conservatives call kind of you know, making hay while the sun shines type thing. Right. And not putting it away for a rainy day to mix my metaphors. That's what they said. They didn't fix yeah, the they roof didn't, when they didn't, it wasn't exactly. raining. Exactly. That's, that's the one. Yeah. So they're basically saying that, you know, what, when we had the money coming in, we should have done more with it than we did at the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, since then, what we've been running at, whereby our costs, our expenses, are more than we bring in. Now, when you're in a house, you don't, you don't get up every morning and think, right, you know, what I'm really going to aim to do mm. is have costs that are higher than what we earn. No. Because what happens? They're going to take the house away from you. The credit cards are going to default. Yeah. You won't, your car is going to be towed off. That's not the one way to run a house. And it's exactly the same in terms of how to run a country. Now, that's different. For, that, that's called a deficit. Yes. I.e. less money bringing in than you spend. Right. Now, for the first time uh, since something like 2001, we are now back level. We are bringing in, or actually we're making a little bit more surplus, mm. uh, we're bringing in pretty much roughly what we spend. Okay. Now, if you have extra, you don't get a tax rebate as much as you'd like Why to not? have one, Mike. You get two options. You can either pay down the debt. And yes. That's different from deficit. The debt is the you know, accumulating... Well, the debt hasn't gone down. The debt no, continues exactly, to go up. exactly. The accumulating money. Because yeah. every time you have an overspend, you just have to keep on borrowing yeah. for it. And there's you have no to keep other, paying the fee. There's no other way to do that. Mm. So you just keep adding to the debt mountain, which we're giving to our future generations and our children, yeah. which we obviously need to do something about. I don't care too much about that, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, well, it's just numbers, I guess. Yeah. You know, but, but, but the repayments are massive yeah. every year. They're billions. All right. Well, repayment. listen, I'll tell you what. We're going to talk to a professor of economics now from King's College London, Jonathan Portis, because uh, I'm hoping he'll be able to put some meat on the bone of what you just explained. Jonathan, a very good morning to you. Thank you for good waiting. Morning, good morning. Thank you very much for, for joining us. I mean, this is all nonsense, isn't it, George, uh, well, George Osborne? I, and... I mean, the, the first thing we do need to say is that everything that Katie has just said is indeed complete nonsense. Um, <laughs> not, in, not, 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 we'll get on to the economics. I can ask you to um, give me an out of ten kind of um, description. I think it's a C minus. Um, we'd be struggling with a two there because the problem is, as as as, as you explained in the introduction, um, we have we are still borrowing money. We are still um, borrowing money because we're not. We do still have a deficit. We are not um, paying down the debt at all. We are. Well, is it true though? That, is it true, Jonathan, that we're now bringing in more money than is going out? No. That's not true either. What is true, what is true, is that we have balanced the current books. The cu- that we have yeah, a this current... year's spending. No. Right, OK, right. go on then, go on. We Very confusing, a... Jonathan. What, 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 we, what they mean when they say that we have a current surplus is that we are bringing more in in taxes and so on than we are spending on current spending. But we are not, but we are still borrowing for investment. So we, like uh, any sensible business, the government divides what it's current spending and capital spending. So capital spending is, you know, building a railway, uh, building roads, that sort of thing. I think uh, you're fine, Jonathan. That's exactly what I was saying, because I didn't talk about the fact that you might need a car loan for a new car at home. I talked about the current payments that you have trouble, at your home and the money that you're bringing in to match it. So, uh, of no, course, the government right. would have you to said, invest in you, new things and, and borrow yeah, against you that. Said, you, you said that we were, that we were spending less than we're uh, um, bringing in in tax, and hence the debt was reducing. The debt is not reducing. No, 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 you can get the... You can, that's a choice up. you can have. You can choose to that pay is. down and a debt if you is. have a surplus. Is that not correct? Um, no, we don't have a surplus. But if you we had a surplus, a you could choose that to pay down a debt, couldn't if you? If we had a surplus, we could choose. So we are still running a deficit to cover investment spending. Now, so that's the first point. And so the debt is still going up um, in cash terms. The second point is, though, that this this idea, um, and and you're right on that, Katie, is that it's perfectly sensible to borrow for current for capital spending, um, which is what we're doing now, um, and which we did uh, um, um, not just in the first few years of uh, uh, um, which we which we did in the first few years of Labour, but it was also the Labour government's target, pretty much a sort of slightly different version, it was basically what the Labour government wanted to do, what Osborne claimed he wanted to do, but never actually did, and what Ed Balls and now John McDonald say they want to do. So there's quite a 
sensible, a good consensus that this is a sort of sensible thing to do over the medium term. But it now, seems to me, Jonathan, can we, can we just analyse yeah. the figures a little bit more, uh, yeah. if you don't mind? Because what yeah. I'm interested in is, is, is whether or not the austerity programme introduced by Cameron and Osborne is responsible for this kind of increase in, uh, in money, or is it just the fact that they put taxes up, which they have done quite remarkably for a Tory government over the course of the last few years? Well, it's a bit of both. They put up some taxes and they um, and they cut spending. And obviously, if you put up taxes and cut spending, you help bring the books back to balance, um, uh, or to, to this in this case, the current balance. So then, and what you're saying is Osborne's right then. So he has he's had, so he has actually affected something good for the economy. Well, I, I, I think um, you have to draw a distinction between what you're aiming for and how it was done. As I said, the idea of balancing the current budget but borrowing for investment. Um, is one which the previous government, the previous Labour government had, the coalition government had. Osborne actually ditched it himself in 2014 and went for a completely different and economically lunatic target of a absolute surplus. But leave that aside. Um, the dispute over balancing the current budget was always about what over what time period uh, we want to do it. Um, so Osborne's originally target was 2015, and a lot of people, myself included, said, that was too fast. It would damage the economy. It would actually slow the recovery, um, and in the end, would prove to be a bad, would damage public services at the same time. And all of those things come to pass. He didn't have the target, which well, how have public services target. been damaged? Well, uh, you tell me. I don't. Well, think no, you, you tell me. It. You're the one that's claiming it. I, okay. I don't notice public services any worse than they were. Um, well, if you look, for example, at um, NHS satisfaction levels. They've That's not a public service. That is a person's... Yeah, is not a public no, service? No, no, a perception of a public service is not a public well, service. Okay. Oh, OK. So the fact that, uh, um, that, that, that most of the government's waiting list targets have now, are for the NHS are now, have now either been missed or have been dropped entirely because the government... Yeah, but again, that's not a, that's not a reduction in the public service. You know, pub- waiting time waiting times have been remarkably bad for quite a long time. And no, you know, that, you can that, find. I'm sorry, that's just not true. You can find. You can find any. No, Jonathan, you can find any number of arguments about waiting times. You you've just said to me public no, services. That, that public services are wrong. not any. Hang on, public services are not mm-hmm. any worse, and you can't tell me they are. All you can tell me is can. that is that you public can. perceptions are are changing. No, 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 look, wait a minute. We just talked about waiting times, and you said you can find any number of arguments. Well, that's you can. Simply, that's simply... Yes, you can, you can find... You if you, if you, if you published statistics. Yeah, I know, but you can find areas... Find yeah, but, Jonathan, you can find areas where, where waiting times have improved. You can find other areas where they've got worse. You know, that's no, not I an mean, argument to say that public services uh, have uh, got worse. Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. You, you can... It's just... Yeah, simply making up your own facts. No, I'm not making not up facts. Case. I'm yes, telling you, Jonathan, you if you want to Look find... Statistics well, why don't you quote me some statistics of where improvements have been made in the NHS as well as statistics where some disimprovements have been made because that's what the case is. No, I'm sorry. You're just wrong there. And you must, uh, the satisfaction, you, and I, and I think you, satisfaction figures are on the rise in the NHS. In the no, last, again, yes, that's, they are. That's, simply, that's simply untrue. Just go and look them up. I mean... I'm I looked them up because it wasn't long ago. I couldn't believe it myself that with a service that like so many people complain about at the moment, actually, when you ask people that have had treatment within the NHS, the, the, the satisfaction is on the rise. And I saw the facts, you know, it was only about a week or two ago that we, we saw that uh, come out, the latest yeah. statistics on that. So, no, um, yeah. but, you know, any, yes, we got... Right. Public satisfaction. Here, I'll read you the headline. This is from two days ago. Public satisfaction with the NHSC's decline in 2017. Well, it was two weeks um, ago that it was on the rise. And I want your point, you're, you're making the point yeah, perfectly, let, Jonathan. You're making the point perfectly that actually you can use figures at any time to tell you anything you want. You I've been inside government. I know that for a fact because anybody that was, was no, an academic I'm, I'm would sorry, rock up actually, to my office I, I, and I say, was, uh, I've got a different stat, stat to prove prove the, the case or a different stat to prove no, against that. Uh, actually, um, if, if, if you're a, a political spinner like you, or yes, of course you can. But for those of us who actually works in government for more than 20 years as economists, actually statistics do tell you something. So, for instance, it is a... You, most of you economists, Jonathan, have got it consistently wrong for 20 years. You told us... It's an arguable fact, for example, that unemployment has indeed come down to historic lows. It's not an... There's no argument about the fact that the performance, the growth in real wages over the last 10 years 
has been the lowest in economic history. Agreed. None of these things are, no, and it is not an argument about what has happened to waiting times. Well, you waiting keep, I mean, I don't know why you're so, you're focused, so, you're so obsessed with waiting times, Jonathan. I asked you where well, public services have somehow and, gone and worse. Know, and you and haven't been able to NHS. tell me. You haven't been able to well, tell I, me. You're fixated I, on the NHS. Come up with something else. You, um, OK, so the NHS is not a public service. No, but you haven't uh, and, proved and, and, anything, and, Jonathan, and it's just getting boring now. So if you think public services in this country are suffering, tell me about which ones they are. Well, let's see. If, if you are prepared to accept that the NHS waiting times, that statistics... Um, in, so, in some shows, areas, the waiting times have gone up. In others, they've gone down. That's what I know. What, what do you mean in some areas? Well, it's certain, if you want certain treatment, some treatments are, are improving, some treatments are not improving. It's as simple as that. It's a very massive organisation, as you should know, Jonathan, right? So it, therefore, it, is you a, can... it is a very massive, it is a very, very massive organisation, and we know perfectly well that overall, looking at the country as a whole, if you look at the statistics, that overall there has been a very significant deterioration on average. This is not something that anybody okay. who knows okay. anything at all so about if I, the subject if I is that, arguing about. If I accept so, that, moving on, what, you know, what, yeah. why is that? You're putting that down to the austerity measures of George Osborne, are you? Um, well, we know that uh, um, under the previous government, um, NHS um, spending went up faster than, uh, um, somewhat faster than GDP, and there were significant real terms increases. We know that under the last uh, seven years or so, it's gone up considerably slower than GDP. It's reduced, and it's gone up sufficiently, considerably slower than GDP. When you say the last government, do you mean the the coalition government? The coalition government and then this government. Again, these figures are not in dispute. You can read them from the Nuffield Trust, the Health Foundation. We didn't say they were. We didn't say they were. Carry on. Jonathan, I mean, you're Uh, basically... If you look at at other aspects of... of, of, So, okay, so that's been one big area. The second uh, big area of public spending reductions, of course, has been on um, on welfare payments and, in particular, uh, welfare benefits to low-income families with children um, and uh, disabled people. So universal credit, very... for example, would that have been a driver to, to, to reduce no, spending? No, because universal credit, of course, has been so delayed that actually only a very small minority of people, even now, only a yep. small minority of benefit recipients. Uh, so in, 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 uh, in conclusion, Jonathan, so it's, it's would you, are, you telling me, are you telling us, Jonathan, in conclusion, that yes. basically the money that was saved uh, has, has, was not worth saving and shouldn't have been uh, um, saved at all? Um, no, I mean, uh, um, as I said, the target of, redu- of, event- of getting the deficit down was generally accepted as being sensible. Some of the cuts have been quite damaging. It would have been much better to spread out the reductions over a longer period. That would have been better for the country economically. And again, there's, there's a sort of consensus among econom- economists that's the case. Beyond there's that, never been a consensus among econom- economists. I'm not buying that one either. Well, there actually is a consensus no. among economists about Absolute rubbish. Things. Depends on which side of the fence you're on. No, for example... So which uh, side of the um, fence you... are you on, Jonathan? Come on, why don't you come clean? On, on what, sorry? On poli- uh, on... On politically, on which side of the fence are you on? Oh, on politically? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I do my best to be objective and neutral about things. Yeah. I have support the government on some policy areas and oppose it in others. Uh-huh. You do, um, you do get, on... though, a lot of economists that only speak on one issue, and that is either pro-Brexit or against Brexit at the moment. I, mean, I find it hard to find some that are actually in the well, middle and try to be objective on either good stories um, or well, bad stories. Uh, you know, I, I do spend quite a lot of my time on Brexit, and I do try and... Uh, try so what's, your, pre- what's your economic prediction for Brexit? Um, my economic prediction, you know, there is a, there's, there's a very strong weight of evidence that um, putting up barriers to trade and reducing trade... Um, will be, over the medium to long term, bad for the UK economy. Um, now, so... That's so, you, so, you, so you think Brexit will be bad for the UK economy? If that's what it leads to. Um, now, of course, there are, you know, we don't know what sort of Brexit we're going to have, and there are all sorts of different varieties of Brexit. Some of them would have much greater trade barriers than others. And equally, it depends to some extent... Um, on what trade deals we do with the rest of the world. Stick with the Independent Republic of Santa Claus as we have more best bits coming up. Plus, I'll be hosting a very special version of the Perrier Awards.